So this podcast is about the rules regarding trusts and nursing home or long-term care Medicaid. Hey everybody out there, I'm Paul Rabelais. I'm an estate planning attorney. Uh, I work out of our office and and uh, our offices in South Louisiana, helping families in Baton Rouge and Mandeville, Metairie, Lafayette, kind of get all their legal affairs in order, protect what they have for their for themselves, their spouses, their children, their other loved ones taking into account all the difficulties that families face when they go through this from taxes to government interference to and all the different kinds of taxes to family relationship issues. And then one of the things that we will be talking about today is the prospect of of having to deplete one's assets in the event of uh, nursing home need or long-term skilled care need. All right, so I'm going to set it up, set up the the background for this. Um, one of the concerns that many people have is uh, they may get sick or may get into a condition where they no longer can stay in their home and their family can't take care of them, so they've got to move into a nursing home. And the way our uh, nursing home system is arranged, if people have assets. They have to spend those assets on their care. The government or no other program will provide um, to cover the costs of those care of the care in the nursing home. People have to spend all of their savings and, and other assets, typically everything besides the home and a car, until they have you know, less than $2,000 remaining. And then Louisiana's or whatever state they're in, uh, long-term care Medicaid program will kick in and cover that expense. And that expense, it can vary from state to state to city to city, from complex to complex. So, But uh, most people, when they talk about how much nursing home care is, typically use, and it can vary from region to region of the United States, but let's just call it uh, $6,000 per month. So you can see where if somebody has just a, a few hundred thousand dollars of life savings, that can get eaten up pretty quick um, with a nursing home stay. My grandmother was in the nursing home for 20 years. You know, she was a, a victim to that as well. So there's a lot of um, talk and discussion and planning done to get people ready so that if they need that care, they don't lose all of the assets that they have. And one of the ways people protect what they have is they attempt to transfer assets out of their name. And there's lots and lots of Medicaid regulations regarding um, whether a Medicaid applicant is eligible to qualify for Medicaid if they had transferred assets out of their name in the past. And so there's, there's penalty periods that, that apply, and without getting into much great detail, the, sh the long and the short of it is if somebody transfers assets out of their name, then they're going to be ineligible for Medicaid, or they'll have to cover their own cost if they want to stay in the nursing home for uh, five years after the assets are transferred out of that individual's name. So some people want to start that five-year period. You know, maybe they're in their 70s and they, they're still living independently, but they want to prepare, so they want to 
um, make these transfers and start the five-year period. So hopefully they um, that five-year period takes place while they're still healthy and, and at home. And then later in life, if they need nursing home care, they will have protected the assets. Now, when people do transfer assets, a lot of people, most people, don't like putting assets just directly into their children's names because a couple of reasons, and probably the biggest one is a lack of control. Putting assets into your children's names means you don't control it. They could spend it. They could have some family problems, whether that might be a divorce or a death or a IRS issue, um, a spousal influence issue. Their children might have problems and um, ch a child may pass away, for example, and you've given assets to a child and, and those assets wind up just being gone. And so a lot of people don't like putting assets in their children's names, especially money, um, but also land and property. So people are uncomfortable with that. And then there's some tax disadvantages to just taking your assets and putting them into your children's names. There's some loss of capital gains tax step up in basis at death, which could cause the children to pay a significant amount of capital gains tax when those assets are, are eventually sold. There could be a loss of the homestead exemption for property tax purposes. Um, children will have subsequent income tax uh, consequences and liabilities if you put your investments in your children's names and then children will have taxable income. A lot of parents don't want to do that to their kids. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, and in addition to the, uh, perhaps the, there may be some gift tax reporting requirements by, you know, making these completed gifts to your children. So a lot of reasons why parents get queasy when they when there's a discussion about putting assets into their children's names, I don't blame them. I'm not sure I'd want to, well, I know I wouldn't want to put my assets in my kids' names and um, that would, uh, I don't think I'd ever go to sleep. So um, now my kids are a little younger and they're in their 20s, they're in their late teens, uh, but still, uh, I get I get it. So many, many years ago, um, strategies were developed where people could transfer their assets into certain kinds of trusts. And the thought process is um, it's a way to get assets out of someone's name, start the five-year penalty period running, but maintain some element of control over those assets after they're transferred out of the individual's name. A trust um, allows you know, restrictions to be put on um, people who are involved in the trust. So just uh, as we'll get into it in a lot more detail here in a minute, if you put assets in trust for children, then you know maybe they can't access it until you die. And so you have more control or perhaps the children have a lot less control. So what I want to do in this podcast is I want to take a look at the 
Louisiana Medicaid Eligibility Manual. I want to take a look at the specific provisions. And look, guys, I realize there's a lot of uh, barbershop rules and coffee shop rules. And, um, you know, a lot of people think they, they know exactly what the rules are. And so those, but those, you know, barbershop rules really mean nothing to me. I always, you know, go to the specific provisions, you know, the written provisions of the law that the government puts out there and, um, and, and apply circumstances to those rules. So we're going to take a look at a few of those rules today. And uh, that way you'll be, you know, armed with, with, a sufficient amount of knowledge to at least start a, a, a reasonable conversation. What I implore you to do is, is don't take this information that I'm giving you. I'm, I'm not your attorney as a result of you listening to this podcast. We're not establishing any kind of attorney-client relationship. Everybody's circumstances are different. You absolutely have to get some good advice um, and you know work with someone who complies with these rules so that you know you can you can get it right so i've got the the louisiana medicaid eligibility manual um, the a couple of the relevant provisions in front of me and i know it's kind of boring but the provisions are brief and i'm gonna kind of read it to you word for word and then we'll do a quick analysis of it so here we go on the, the, I'll just call it the manual, and anytime I call it the manual, I'm really referring to the Louisiana, again, specific state, each state has its own manual, the Louisiana Long-Term Care Medicaid Eligibility Manual, and I'm just going to refer to it as the manual from here on out. And it's, it's a very, very lengthy manual, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages, and it's revised periodically as necessary, but I'm just going to focus on a couple of, th of provisions. You know, really it's, uh, I don't know how long it is, but let's say it's a thousand pages long and I'm really focusing on just a couple of paragraphs here. So the, the little bit challenging aspect of this when it comes to someone applying for Medicaid when they are a, some kind of a participant in a trust, there's references to that concept throughout the Medicaid manual um, I don't believe that those various references in different parts of the manual are inconsistent, but um, every time I see a reference in a different part of a Medicaid manual about trust, it seems like the wording is a little, little bit different from instance to instance, but I don't see any inconsistencies. So we're, again, just focusing on the the one part right now, it's the part of, of the Medicaid manual where um, it defines what's a countable resource. An accountable resource is something that um, you have enough ownership or control over that you will not be eligible for Medicaid if you have more than $2,000 of these countable resources. And, um, and so what some people want to do is you know, remove themselves from their accountable resources and some people will put those assets into a trust. And so we'll talk here about, you know, what kinds of trusts are permitted for that and what kinds aren't. 
So let's jump right into it. And I'm at the provisions where um, they refer to if the Medicaid applicant, that's the person, um, let's call him dad, and dad is, you know, 85, and he's going into a nursing home, and he, he would like to be eligible for Medicaid. You know, his family would like him to be eligible for Medicaid, which means that Medicaid covers the monthly nursing home expense. If he doesn't qualify for Medicaid and he's going to stay there, then somebody's going to have to write a check to the nursing home for the $6,000 or whatever it is monthly amount. So here's the deal on if there's a trust, and this is where the applicant is the trustee. So there's different roles in a trust, but let's say dad is the trustee of a trust and he's applying for Medicaid. Here's what it says, and it's really just one or two sentences. I'm going to read it word for word first, and then we'll go back and take a look at it. It says, count the trust as a resource, regardless of whose funds were originally deposited into the trust. If the applicant slash enrollee is the trustee and has the legal right to revoke the trust and use the money for his own benefit. Okay, so let's take a closer look at that. Um, dad is the trustee of, the, of a trust. He, he goes into a nursing home. Now, note there's lots of different parties to a trust. The main ones are trustee, person administering the trust, settlor, person who set up the trust, um, two kinds of beneficiaries, income beneficiaries and principal beneficiaries. But for now, we're just saying dad is the trustee. So what they're saying is count the trust as a resource. So what they're saying is count the trust or the value of the underlying assets in the trust as countable resources, which would prevent dad from being eligible for Medicaid. If dad is the trustee and, and again, and is a key word, has the legal right to revoke the trust and use the money for his own benefit. So right there, if dad is the trustee of your typical avoid probate revocable living trust, he has the right to revoke the trust. And, and since he can revoke the trust, he can use the trust assets, trust principle for his own benefit then that asset, that trust, those trust assets are going to be countable resources. And dad, assuming those countable resources exceed the minimum amount, if dad is single $2,000, then dad's going to be ineligible for Medicaid. So there you have it. Now, um, analyzed in a different way if it says if dad's the trustee and he doesn't have the legal right to revoke the trust and use the money for his own benefit it would appear that that would be okay but that's just an analysis of it i want to really just stick to the rules right now so anyway count it as a resource if dad uh, is the trustee and he can revoke the trust and use the money for his own benefit all right, now we're going to go to one other set of rules, which 
which addresses when the Medicaid applicant is the set lower. And that's typical also because dad may have set up a trust and transferred his own assets to that trust. Then dad is the set lower or the person who set up and, and funded or transferred assets to that trust. So when are those trust assets countable resources that disqualify dad from being eligible for Medicaid? So this is just a, a separate paragraph, again, very short, um, but it's under the uh, subtitle of when an applicant for Medicaid is also the settlor. So I'm just going to read it, then we'll talk about it for a minute. It says, count the trust as a resource if the applicant slash enrollee is the settlor, open parentheses, created the trust, close parentheses, and has the right to revoke it and can use the funds for his own benefit. All right, so um, not unlike the trustee thing. So it says, you know, if dad was the one who created the trust, then you have to count those trust assets as a resource if dad has um, both the right to revoke the trust and the right to use the funds for his own benefit. I think the word funds is a little, um, principle would have been a better word there for, for them to use in the Medicaid manual. Okay, so um, again, feel free to rewind or whatever is appropriate for podcasts. Um, this, as, as you go back and gain a better understanding Right after that paragraph where it talks about when the applicant is a set lore, there's another set of provisions, kind of short and sweet. So the, the next paragraph in the Medicaid manual talks about um, considering the penalties under the transfer of resource policy. So again, sometimes people um, want these penalty periods to apply, they don't want the assets, the trust assets to continue to be a resource. They want the penalty period to apply and and start the five-year clock running. And the, the five-year clock starts to run when those assets are no longer a resource of yours. You've, you've, take, you've taken them from a countable resource to something that's not a countable resource by making what's called an uncompensated transfer. So this part of the Medicaid manual talks about when you do consider the penalties under the transfer of resource policy, because if you transfer the assets out of your name correctly, then five years later, you're going to be eligible for Medicaid. If you if those assets are structured in a way where they're still a countable resource, the five years never starts. And if you go into a nursing home, you won't qualify for Medicaid. So, so this is the consider the penalties under the transfer of resource policy. 
which for a lot of people is a good thing. They want the penalties to run. They want to start the five-year penalty period. So it says consider those penalties if the applicant slash enrollee, three, three parts to this, created the trust, does not have the right to revoke it, and cannot use the principal for his own benefit. So under that paragraph, if you create the trust, if you don't have the right to revoke it, and you cannot use the principal for your own benefit, then Medicaid says, start the five-year clock running. It's not a countable resource anymore. So that's where we get into the, and you've heard me say a few times, and or read a few times, does not have the right to revoke it. So does not have the right to revoke it um, implies irrevocable trust. Um, cannot use the principle for his own benefit means um, the applicant, um, while they may play a role in that trust or may be a participant in that trust, the applicant cannot be able to use the principle, the trust principle, the trust assets, sometimes called the trust corpus, for, the, for their own benefit. So a mouthful there, but this is just really a beginner's or maybe a little bit beyond a beginner's guide to um, Louisiana long-term care Medicaid rules as they relate to trusts. Bottom line is clearly if there's a Medicaid applicant and there's the, the traditional avoid probate revocable living trust, that's not going to give that Medicaid applicant any nursing home protection. But I just went through the Medicaid rules um, that apply when a person is a trustee of a trust or when a person is a settlor of a trust and what are Medicaid's rules um, where they say start the five-year clock period because they've made an uncompensated transfer, these assets are no longer a resource. And again, just to reiterate that one, it's you create the trust, you can't revoke it, and you can't use the principle for your own benefit. Um, so, and then the next provisions of the Medicaid manual are just really all about, you know, verifying that information by, um, you know, verifying the roles and getting a copy of the trust instrument and, and that kind of thing. So um, what makes it sometimes challenging is, you know, there most people aren't, um, you know, really aware of the of the intricacies of trusts and the participants and who's involved and what people's roles are. So um, when you're trying to apply these rules and people either aren't aware of the rules, aren't aware of the roles, aren't aware of of the application of these things, it can, um, you know, it can cause some confusion that, that has to be cleared up. But that's it. That's what we've got as far as um, assets in trust and the Louisiana long-term care Medicaid rules that apply when somebody is applying for 
Medicaid and they are somehow involved in a trust. Hope that helps. Um, what I'd like to do is, is um, you know, feel free, um, go on our website, check out our YouTube channel where we have a lot more information like this. Um, of course, you can like the stuff, you can subscribe to the podcast, and, um, and that way you'll be kind of kept up to speed. But um, if you want to perhaps go to a YouTube channel um, where we have similar videos, um, if you have some, uh, some positive experiences uh, and some um, positive information to share for others, that would be a, you know, a good place for you to share those experiences so other people who watch and read and see and listen can benefit from your experiences. So hope that helps. Um, make sure you take care of all your business ahead of time, particularly in this area where there's this five-year rule and you really have to, to plan ahead and plan early to get it right. So y'all have a great day. Thanks for listening.